and welcome to another episode of Unsubscribe, the Demand Drive podcast. I'm your host, AJ Alonzo. I've got my co-host with me here today, Alex Ellison. Alex, how you doing? I'm good. I'm really happy to hear your voices better. I don't think we've recorded oh, any man. podcasts, but you were a little bit sick there for a while, and it, yeah. you could hear it through Zoom. The, so. old, the old daycare flu hit me pretty pretty hard. My daughter came home and got literally everybody in our house sick for like a week and a half. Uh, and uh, I'm on the up and up. It wasn't it wasn't COVID, which was great. But you know, when it's not, and you're still really sick, not a great feeling. Um, but this isn't a medical podcast. We're not talking about <laughs> my, my past sick history. We're here to talk with Davidson Hang. He's a senior transformation consultant over at Coach Hub. Davidson, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, lo love the conversation so far and excited to be here. Yeah, we're going to be talking about something that I assume is directly up your alley in, in coaching and really getting the most out of your team, really understanding how to effectively coach versus manage somebody. Uh, but before we dive into the meat of the conversation here, let's give the audience an opportunity to learn more about you. Give us a bit of background about who you are, um, what you do at Coach Hub, what you were doing before that, you know, the, the general who is Davidson Hang. Cool. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. So I, I became passionate about uh, being an SDR and all that. So I first discovered Reddit sales mm. and, and that's how I like was devouring all this sales content and started reading about what other people are doing, all the different industries, all the different sales orgs and, you know, tech versus pharma versus, you know, financial services, et cetera. And I was always a curious person, so um, I always asked like the President's Club winners and the top AEs like would pick their brain and I was like, huh, I should record this. Like I feel like this would be, <laughs> this would be valuable for anyone. So uh, I did that and then now we're up to uh, 150 episodes of the Davidson Hang podcast. Wow. So it started off with just like a passion for just meeting, you know, what, what are the President's Club winners doing differently than everyone else? And then has led me to like on my own, I think now I've helped over probably 40 to 45 um, SDRs get promoted to AE or have transitioned awesome. to CSM or team leads or whatever roles they're doing. Uh, it's just a passion, like huge passion of mine just because, you know, growing up, I didn't have a lot of resources. Like my, my parents were divorced. Um, my parent, my mom and dad were refugees from the Vietnam War. so. You know, my mom does nails for a living and my dad um, worked at Benihana as a bartender and now he's an Uber driver. Um, so, you know, I, I just didn't really have a lot of mentors. So I started like reading a lot of books, started reading like Tools of Titans, Tim Ferriss, just consuming like a ton of content. Uh, so, yeah, I would say I'm up to probably <coughs> 700 books now. And cow. yeah, it's, it's, it's been a wild journey. So, yes, I'm, long story short, I'm very passionate about this topic. <laughs> That's awesome. I think you've you've got me beat by about six hundred and ninety books. No, I'm kidding. I haven't only read ten books. I'm trying to get back into reading. It's like one of those hidden gems of resources that I think a lot of people sleep on. The mm -hmm. like you want to listen to a podcast, please keep listening to our podcast. Um, you want to watch webinars and attend events, and, and and it seems like an easier way to ingest content. But like books have been around for a really long time for a reason, guys. Like there are a lot of good books out there specifically in the realm of, of sales, sales leadership, marketing leadership, how to get the most out of your employees, things like that. Um, yeah. Coaching, managing, all that stuff. It sounds like you want to write a book, AJ. I, I've toyed with the idea. I don't have enough to write about. It's not, not for me. 
Um, but I do want to get some recommendations for you, Davidson, that we can maybe put in the show notes of oh, books yeah. that you have found to be super helpful along your journey that someone listening might be able to pick up on their own. Um, but I wanted to start, I wanted to start this conversation off uh, with a quick definition, something that you've experienced a lot in your um, career so far in terms of being a mentor to individuals, being part of sales organizations, um, the difference between coaching and managing. You know, what does it mean to manage somebody versus what does it mean to coach somebody and the big differences between the two? Because I think a lot of times people look at them as almost one in the same and they mm -hmm. expect managers to coach and they expect coaches to manage. Mm -hmm. And that's not 100% the case. Yeah, that's a great distinction. I would say a good manager is both, right? Where like half the time you are more of like metrics focus, more like what's accountability? Like what what are your intended outcomes? What are your goals for this week, right? So I'm not discounting any of that, but I do think the other 50% of at least all the best managers I've had were also really good coaches, right? I think sometimes people are really good managers like they're really good at like the, the carrot and the sticks and and okay if you do this you know you can make 150k this year you know and then there's i would say i i'm i'm probably better on the coaching side where i'm really good at like getting people to um i guess like how i would describe it is like discover their blind spots mm. and then like what okay now that you have this awareness now that you have this knowledge like what actions are you going to take to ultimately like fulfill on whatever your goals are. So um, yeah, so if I was, I would say management is more in like the execution and more into like the day-to-day -day and what needs, what you need to be to be successful. And coaching is more of like, instead of telling someone what to do, like you're, you're teaching, you're like teaching them how to fish instead of like fishing for them. It's a solid metaphor. I, I, I think I was, in a similar vein, someone used a, a similar metaphor where it's like, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't teach them to drink. Managers help lead people to water, but then coaches help them drink. So you understand and get that foundational like skill set or techniques or whatever it takes really to be successful with a job for managers. And then if they can take it to that next level, they can show you, all right, now that you know all this stuff, like you said, what does the future look like for you? How can I help you get to a place in the future where you feel more comfortable, where you can shore up some of those blind spots and weaknesses, um, things like that. I, I think that's a really good way to, to put it. And um, there are, in my mind, a bunch of different ways to coach somebody through the workplace, whether it is around skills, techniques, stuff that you need to be successful as an SDR. But then there's like bigger philosophical things that you kind of have to coach people through too, like imposter syndrome or really how to like behave as a working professional in, in your workplace. Um, talk a little bit about that in terms of like how you approach coaching from that perspective. Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of salespeople, we're so focused on the metrics and that's only half of it. I would say there's a lot of like the interpersonal skills. Some You can call it politics or call it what you want, right? But people have to know you and they have to like you. Um, so there's a lot of like the more behavioral, like, okay, am, am I presenting myself in a way that um, I can be well received like when I'm asking for support from the the CSM side or from the marketing team side like do I have a good internal brand where people are willing to help me or am I being sort of a, an ass or being mean and, and like requesting people hey you have to do this and like if you don't I'm gonna call your manager right so there's a lot of like the internal stuff um, that you could be coached on um, I was like for me 
I would say there's been instances where um, I was always being like really nice to people, so it helped. But I was, but I was always afraid, like when when my when people didn't execute on what they said they were going to do, like my cross-functional partners, I was always afraid to like, okay, well, how can I get them to actually like build urgency, right? So then I, my manager would coach me around how to do that, and um, you know, I think every company's culture is a little bit different, but that's like an area that you can never truly master, right? Because every individual is different, and every department, every process is different. So, yeah, it's been interesting to to see that whole process and how important that is too in being successful beyond the metrics. Yeah, and, and I think that's a really interesting point you make, where coaching someone in the workplace could be like, hey, don't be an ass to people. But it could also be like, hey, you're a nice person. You like you go about your business, you do your job, but you, you're not going to take a next step if you don't sort of do X, Y, and Z. I don't want to use the term play the game because it seems disingenuine, but there definitely is sort of a societal, political aspect to getting promoted to networking within your own company. Um, and I think that's one of those areas that uh, a manager who's really good at coaching is a huge asset to have. They'll help you get promoted um, versus you hear stories, people stories all the time from people that are like, well, I think I'm ready for a promotion, but like, I don't really know. And that's a lot of the times because the manager isn't good at coaching and relaying that information. So um, yeah, I think I, AJ, that's a good point. A lot of these like more tan, less tangible, I'd say like factors are almost more important to coaching than like how to have a conversation on the phone or, or how mm -hmm. to, um, you know, send a successful email versus just sending one. I don't know, Davidson, do you have an opinion on like what side of that coaching tree maybe is more important? Yeah, I like that distinction that you made. I feel like the manager is like everything it's focused more on your your like account executive job or your your more core responsibilities and the coaching ideally it's like everything else in life, right? It's like okay, being a good coach it's more like okay, like we get that you want to make 200k this year, right? Like what what is it for like what does that mean does that mean you get to take care of your family you get to move into a bigger house now that you have a, another kid on the way does that mean you get to at the end of your career you know you get to start your own foundation you help people with cerebral palsy whatever right so the coach i think gets to integrate your life like holistically beyond mm -hmm. just like the metrics that's a really um, I think, yeah, key distinction between all of this and something that I hear a lot of people talk about when it comes to like coaching is the idea that you bring a coach in not for um, the holistic view, but a lot of people look at coaching as like, um, I'm not doing well in my job, right? And I need someone, if someone says you need to bring in a coach because I haven't hit quota for the past three months. I'm only at 70% and I keep kind of, I'm stuck at that point. Like a coach needs to come in and help me upskill in some capacity or teach me something new that I haven't thought of to get me to hundred percent of quota. And so a lot of people look at coaching and the success metrics around that as like general, I would say manager level without coaching success metrics, things that are work related only, but you're saying that's not the case. And that in reality, you're almost like, you could always use a coach. I think it, it because it impacts so much more than just your day to day nine to five style job life. It, it impacts your life life the five to nine, as they say. Yeah, they they always say this is definitely coach talk, but they always say like how you do one thing is how you do everything. So, you know, if you're like a a nice person like in the office, right, and and you have trouble like 
you know getting people to execute on that vision that you that you know or you hold you have trouble with certain things we're asserting that it's probably going to show up in other aspects of our lives as well so there's always a like a correlation there and um yeah i mean you know like every every you know michael jordan tiger woods like everyone has it like the the, the top people have coaches right so it's it's one of those things like yes there's some some companies that relate to it as like a discipline disciplinary thing where it's like hey you know you're a little bit rough around the edges like maybe you could be better at like your your um communicate like internal communication or whatever um but i would say now it's it's pretty universal that like most companies like get coaching but it also depends on the culture of the company as well i think yeah. it was for sd rev um the community that we founded alex that we someone wrote a blog called like you're never too good for a coach and that was maybe my first, this was like a year and a half ago, I think at this point. And that was my first, I think, foray into this idea that like, yeah, coaches are for more than just some of those base skills or, or improving soft skills or whatever, communication, um, things like that, that would help you become a better employee. Like the idea that you're literally never too good for a coach, the best athletes in the world, the best uh, AEs in the world, the best whatever's in the world, probably have somebody coaching them because- it's another individual there to help integrate whatever you're doing holistically into the rest of your life to understand how this impacts other facets of you. I think that's so important to have that extra person there to like work with you through that so that it's not just you alone, because that can be pretty isolating can be pretty difficult to, to really understand like another person's point of view on yourself, because obviously you're inherently biased about like what you're doing on a day to day basis. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, just to provide context, like we, before I even heard about coaching, because it's some, it is in some ways like this little bubble that not everyone has access to. I think it was like exactly five years ago. Um, I think I was like making like sixty-five k at the time. That and um, just from using like maybe five or six different coaches, I was able to like four x my income within that time, right? And wow. I know for a fact if I didn't have a coach, like. <laughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't have been able to do that you know so the coach helped me publish a bunch of books do the start the podcast YouTube channel get into my dream company at LinkedIn become a top performer there um, so yeah like coaching like has it makes I, the way I see it is like we have all these different blind spots and we just keep doing what we we keep doing right and then we think that it's like oh man like my manager sucks or oh my, my company has all the you know we always think that all the company, all the issues are outside of us, right? Oh, my, my girlfriend's mean to me. Oh, my friend is not loyal. And then we start to realize like, oh, what's the common theme with all of this, right? And you start to realize like, oh, it's actually me. So what, like, if you can summarize it in a nutshell, like coaching is just like, how can we be 100% responsible for everything? And then once we, once we actually have some sort of responsibility, we can actually change or do something about it versus like blame the whole world for our issues and our problems. Yeah, no, that's a, a, a great, just anecdotal story of the effect of coaching. Um, I'd love to dive into the um, kind of what, how you know it's been a successful relationship with your coach. Um, because right, if, in, if they're your manager or not, your manager is in charge of make sure you hit the numbers and hit the activities and pass the leads and doing those things. It's very tangible, very outcomes-based. When it comes to coaching, obviously a lot of it is case by case. A lot of it is like a very individual goal and a lot of it is intangible. 
Um, so when you're working with a coach, how, how do you work with them to figure out like, this is what I want to do. This is what success mm -hmm. looks like. And then once you achieve that success, how do you make sure to check that box and notice that it's happened? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think the key is noticing, right? Well, I think there's, there's a lot of different coaches out there. Like I've done Tony Robbins. I've done like so many different modalities. I would say like, there's two types of coaching. I think there's one that's like more confronting where it's like, this person's going to trigger the hell out of you always, like all the time. Right. And I think that's, there's something good about that too. Cause it's like, you're getting perspectives that you normally wouldn't. And that's more of like the contrarian model. So let's say my worldview is like, like I'm, I would say I'm like a recovering people pleaser. Right. But it's helped me, you know, have 18,000 connections on LinkedIn. Right. Just because I, I'm so nice and like, I love meeting people. So now the thing that actually would help me is if I'm, if I'm actually like not meaner, but if I'm actually like holding people accountable to, to, to what they say. So if the client's like, yeah, I'll send over the proposal. I'll review that proposal with my, uh, my VP of HR and I'll get back to you by Friday. Right. So for me to like hold them accountable and like, Hey, like you said, you were going to do that and you didn't do that. That's actually what will help me get to the next level. But my identity is like, well, that person's going to think I'm mean and like, I'm not a mean person. Right. So that's one way. And then there's the other, and I would say people that are starting off, I would say, and it depends on who you are, right? But I would say sometimes having a coach who kind of thinks like you and is like similar to you and has behaviorally, um, that way when they share stories, like you can learn something from that. And it's not so like hard and doesn't feel as confronting as like someone that's like triggering you like every day so that you could see that like, oh, okay, like this isn't working what I'm doing. That's, that's the, the, the word trigger triggered me and the idea that like somebody, somebody would just be there. Like you're paying somebody to, to almost like tell you what you're doing is wrong or like give you that other point of view that would, that they know is going to annoy you. Right. Like yeah. it's their job to annoy you to the point where you're like, okay, you're right. Like this isn't the, I'm like, you're on my behavior is wrong. I, somehow it's encouraged the wrong type of behavior and what I've done in the past to what I want to look like in the future. Um, yeah. that's like a really interesting way to just like poke you basically until you change. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's really interesting. And I know you said that we're like another, there's another kind of school of thought around coaching where it's maybe not like that. And it's, it's, it's a different perspective in terms of how to get you to the point where you've seen success in the relationship and really understand like, oh, like I am getting value out of this. Yeah, I feel like coaching, like most, if, you, if the coach is doing a good job, like you're supposed to almost like hate your coach. You know what I mean? Like it's supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to be, I mean, I wouldn't say that's like 100% true, but I would say like there's definitely like my financial coach, for instance, right? Like I don't like him because he tells me I shouldn't be spending $18,000 on Tony Robbins, but I do it anyways, you know? And like, but it's good because he's like really triggering me like, hey, dude, like you say you have all these goals. You say you want to buy a house in Hawaii. You say all this. And at this pace and your current patterns, like that's not going to happen. Right. So he's going to remind me every single month, like, hey, dude, you only saved 3000 like this month. Like if you want to hit your goals, like you have to save a higher percentage of your, your income, you know. So, yeah, I would say like coaching is like confronting, but it you'll grow a lot from it because usually like there's a reason why they're pointing out that blind spot right and it's because they they can do the thirty thousand foot view whereas like we're we're the fish in the fishbowl and we're just like swimming in it we're like 
huh, what's everyone talking about? You know? You're looking to buy a house in Hawaii? Yeah, that's one of my goals. That's yeah. pretty sweet. I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hawaii's great. Have you guys been there? I wish. Not yet. It's it's pretty it's pretty awesome, man. Like it's it's such a beautiful place. The people are really nice and it's like very lush mountains and yeah, I, I like it there. It's like very peaceful. I missed my boat. My my wife's family went on a vacation there a few years ago and I wasn't able to go. And I just see like they pull up the pictures every once in a while of like the hikes they did. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> you have opportunities in the future. I'll go back at some point. Yeah. Yeah. AJ, let's go on a let's go on a trip. Take the take the show on the road. Let's do a podcast from Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but but diving back into what you were saying with the with coaches that maybe are a little bit more triggering um i think one of the biggest things there that, that's important that i'd love to hear your take on is the the factor of trust right because if you have someone that you don't know or you don't trust berate you hey why are you spending money you'd be like screw you man like it's my money i want to spend it right right um so i'd love to dive a little bit into maybe how um how you build that trust with a new coach and maybe some areas where a manager or, or a coach might fail because they sort of overlook mm. that aspect yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, trust is everything, right? It, it's funny because looking back at it, because I would say I'm somewhat contrarian, which is like kind of oxymoronic because people pleasers aren't typically contrarian, <laughs> but I was managed to kind of like skate through sometimes. Um, there's been managers like now that I have more perspective and I've gotten like a lot of coaching, I'm like, oh, okay, I could see why she was like on my case about like updating my Salesforce and right. So I think we always should always get that our man like our manager's commitment is like to help us right and sometimes like we misinterpret what they say um but yeah in terms of trust like yeah i think i think that's huge i think what i've seen like i don't know if this is like a magic formula but i think the manager or whoever it is should always be vulnerable first and share like an antidote mm -hmm. and where they've failed and like that's why they don't do that thing that they do anymore so instead of like you know, most managers, they'll go in, they'll be like, you need to make more calls. Like you're not, you're not logging your CRM. You're not whatever. Like it's more, it comes like, comes off as like very like accusatory where if it's more well-received if, you know, they just say like, Hey, you know, there was a time where like, you know, I thought like working harder actually like led to better results. But then I realized like, Oh, actually working smarter. I was able to work like half of the amount of hours now is able to be more effective and i wish i wish someone told me that earlier you know um something like that would be like much more well received i think than like just saying like oh like you suck at your job or, or whatever it is that people do that makes people sdrs feel like they're they're not doing enough that's that's a really interesting point uh, it made me think because i i talk with um, a good amount of sdr managers who who feel like coaching is almost a privilege and that they have to, they feel like they have to spend their days normally day to day, like managing their reps in the sense that like, to your point, oh, you're not uploading your activities in the CRM correctly, or, mm. oh, you know, you're, you're working way too hard, but you could be getting twice the amount of results with half the amount of effort. And they, maybe it's just the mentality, but they don't take that idea, that like vulnerable approach to turn it into a coaching experience. And they take something that could be coachable and just make it a managing experience. So I, I know a lot of people say that they like want to be able to coach someone, that it is a privilege, but but you're saying that like you can take sort of the day-to-day -day manager things that you have to do 
to ensure that your your SDRs are at least doing the bare minimum, but turn them into coaching experiences, which I think is is a really interesting way to to frame it and and could theoretically in a manager's mind change how they approach those conversations to make them more impactful in the long term versus nagging, kind of annoying, like, hey, you're not doing the right work kind of kind of conversations. Yeah. I, I, I do think like managing is important as well, right? Like there there needs to be some sort of accountability or else people would just you know, they're not gonna be able to be as motivated. Or there or there there's not enough structures, especially if they're they're earlier on in their career. But I think I think like a 50-50 approach would be the best, right? Because they, they want to have like career conversations. They want to learn from their managers and their um, experiences and best practices and things like that. But I think sometimes like people just have to learn the hard way and they'll, they'll you know, they'll bang their head against the wall enough times and they're like, oh, that's what my manager was talking about, you know? So I, I think that's something that because as managers, like they got promoted to managers because they're, they were one of the top reps, right? Mm-hmm. And they forget that not everyone is uh, learns as quickly as they are or as skilled as they are, quite honestly, right? So then sometimes when you're a top performer, you forget <coughs> that like, oh, actually, like what took me two years to get to this like proficiency might take my rep actually three or four years. And they tend to forget that. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting something i hadn't really thought about is that right these managers top level performers rightfully promoted to to sort of be an sdr manager or whatever the role is but now they're in charge of people who struggle consistently more than they ever did um do you find that like that kind of situation makes it harder to to coach or manage like these lower level reps because they don't have that experience or that relatability to those reps yeah, I, I think the, that's, I would say there's two parts to it. I think some people just have different goals, right? We're assuming as a manager that everyone's goal is to get promoted as quickly as possible to make as much money as possible, right? And on the surface, that's what people are going to say because like they don't want to get fired, right? But if you actually dig down to the core, it's like, oh, actually, is that person just really big into the culture of the company and like really, or are they more like, are they like passionate about like on the customer side or the product marketing side, right? Like every person has something they're truly passionate about, but you really have to like dig deeper. Like you really have to uh, peel back like the first, second layer questions and then ask them like, hey, like what's like the most meaningful or most rewarding experiences you had at our company so far and share more about that. And then they'll be like, oh, actually they say they want to hit quota and they say they want to like be a top performer, but in actuality, like they probably would be better at like a demand gen marketing role or like field marketing, or, you know, they actually want to go to the product management side. Right. So I think that takes like time. Um, but yeah, I, I think not enough managers are doing that. They just assume like, oh, because I wanted to get promoted to manager. I think that's just what my reps want too. It's a tough bias to shake, right? Cause like you're the model of success theoretically that the way that you were able to rise the ladder is um the most immediate example of how somebody can see success in your organization right in front of you so you assume people that were in your shoes essentially backfilled to the spot that you just held want to do the same thing but shaking that bias is tough and um i i I wanted to ask more because like you you talked about how that needs to just get ingrained in sort of like the the way that you communicate like from a manager to a, a rep perspective 
looking beyond just like the numbers per se and really taking that future looking approach and making sure that you understand the individual more than just them as like an employee at a company with a job. Um, yeah. Something that we've seen implemented and have tried to, to do in the past as well is like when you have your one-on-ones more often than not, they're just like from a manager level, like, you know, it's pipeline review, it's metrics review. It's very like by the books, like these are the things that you have to do to be successful here. Do you mm-hmm. find that it's best to set aside like a specific meeting that isn't necessarily a one-on-one for more of that like career development? What do you want to get out of this job type conversation? Or do you try to weave it into all of the other things that you do um, to try and understand you and your your SDRs. I, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'll give you a story that like really resonated with me. So it was interesting. Um, I was working for a company called Trinet, um, which is you know a pretty well known company. You know we were all making really good money um, there, and um, he did this like interesting thing where he would just like lock us into like a conference room for like three hours, and we would just like pour our heart out and just said like our life stories and all the crazy stuff that has happened you know some people talked about divorce or talked about like what it was like being a father for the first time or one of my teammates um he got drafted um, by an nlb and then he got hurt right so he didn't obviously did not continue to do that but it, it but after that like we felt so connected to each other and we were like crying at by the end of it it was like super intimate and then we had like a really nice dinner at this like nice Italian restaurant, had good wine, et cetera, right? But it was like, after that, like, I was willing to, like, die for this guy. Like, like he was, like, just someone who, like, if I had, like, a bad week, like, I'd be like, man, like, oh, man, I didn't, I did not want to disappoint him, you know? Because, like, he just poured, like, in, like, his heart and everything into that, right? So I, I do think there's, it's good to do that. And, like, I feel like when you get to know, like, that person, like, that true, like, that individual beyond, like, the SDR route, like they just respect you and they, they're they willing to go to bat for you, right? Versus like some managers where like, it's like, oh, like does this person actually really care about me? You know, like you can really, you can tell if someone actually really cares about you, you know, and takes the initiative. And uh, I think during the last two years during the pandemic, like we're really starting to see that, right? Like a lot of the clients, like you get to see their kids in the background, get to see their dog, their house, right? It's like people are craving that intimacy. And I think people used to put on like a business persona and then like a outside of work persona, like sometimes are two different things, but now it's so integrated. And, um, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think still some companies are still, you know, not accepting of that person's like full self, you know, like we, now we hear, you know, we hear mothers like talk about like, Hey, like it's tough to be move up the, the corporate a from mid market to enterprise a role as a mother of three, you know, but now like mothers can actually like talk about that and how hard it is and it's okay now, whereas before it'd be like, it'd be a little bit more taboo. So I think in general, like society is, is leaning more towards like bringing the whole self to work, but I, I still think we still have some room for improvement there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, would you say there's any, so that's an interesting pro of why we're remote and how coaching might be easier. Are there other like large changes that happened when everything when remote or hybrid that you notice making it either easier or harder to, to coach somebody? 
Yeah, yeah, it is hard to really get like a sense of like how engaged someone is virtually, right? In person, like you can tell like that person's like checked out, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> o like over like now everything's virtual, like you can kind of tell because like, you know, you'll never ever see them on video or whatever, right? There's like some indicators, but yeah, I think it's, it's certainly harder to coach. Like that's one of the things we're hearing from every manager, like a lot of the leadership teams, it's like, well, you know, we can tell them to fill out the survey, right? But, you know, how how do we know they're being authentic, right? Maybe they feel like it's going to come back to, to them somehow, right? So, so I think um, what I'm seeing, like, a lot of companies do is they'll, because there used to be a lot more money for the, the offices and, you know, real commercial real estate costs a lot, they're just allocating a lot of those funds for, like, company off-sites and stuff like that, where... We just had like a week in Phoenix at a golf resort and like Ooh. that was amazing, you know, so companies are spending more money to do things like that. But yeah, it, it really is hard to like coach someone like virtually, but usually you can kind of tell if someone's engaged or not, you know. Yeah, um, let's say uh, I'll paint a, I guess, a theoretical scenario for you. I, I just listened to this podcast and I've realized that either as an SDR or an AE or some type of individual contributor that I, I should look for coaching, that I, I'm not getting what I'm hearing from, from this conversation from my managers, or I am a manager and I'm realizing that I'm not giving this to my SDRs, that maybe I am coming across as just annoying and just asking for things without kind of yeah. meeting them halfway or giving them opportunities to, to develop or upskill. Um, yeah. Where can, other than listening to this podcast and, and connecting with you, what are some good resources for someone who wants to dive into that world and really understand coaching, even mentorship and, and, and attempt to level themselves up beyond what they're kind of getting currently? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, nowadays there's a lot of mentorship programs out there, but I would say like we live in this beautiful world now where you can literally like just LinkedIn request anyone, right? So what I, what I typically do is, um, I'll look for people who I want to be like one day, whether, you know, this is their title, this is the company they're at. Um, and I'll reach out and be like, hey, like, you know, I, I, I look up to you, right? People like love flattery, right? You know, if it's like a genuine compliment, they'll, they'll get back to you, you know? And then, um, so I'd say like, just be super proactive about like reaching out to people. Um, and then I always say, like reach out to all the different cross-functional partners that you like are thinking about. Like maybe even if it's like fifty, like oh, I'm not hundred percent sure if I wanna, I wanna join uh, field marketing or wanna join the the data analytics team or whatever it is, right? I think it's always good to have coffee chats with all like a lot of different types of departments because you never know, right? You you might think customer success might be like this. Like, I, at one point I was like, oh, I've thought, what about customer success? And then. When I met with a lot of global customer success managers, they're like, yeah, basically you're like a project manager and that's like a lot of project management. And I'm like, Ooh, like, I would not like that, you know, but I only knew that because I met with a bunch of them, you know? So I think like people should, and it's weird, right? Cause I think people are like afraid to even reach out to like internal employees. I, like, I was going to say the internal resources that a lot of people have are so like, there's so many people you can yeah. talk with. And it just seems like, I don't know, maybe it is the pandemic. Maybe it's, 
we work with a lot of people who are kind of fresh out of college. So maybe they don't feel super comfortable, like talking with a director or VP level title. But yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Like there are so many resources at, at your company listener that you can probably leverage that you, you should talk to people, have coffee chats with them. Yeah. And people are so afraid. There was this one intern um, who like took this advice to like the next level, but I was like, I was like, yeah, you should have at least like five coffee chats a week. So he interned at LinkedIn when I was there and he had like 152 coffee chats. My goodness. <laughs> and he wrote like a whole article about it. But I was like, oh, that's awesome. like, dude, you know, like everyone like, and, and of course he, after he finished his college internship, they invited, they gave him an offer, right? Cause he knew like everyone, but it's like, man, like I wish everyone would take that sort of approach. Right. But like you said, I think we were so used to text messaging nowadays that we're like, we're just afraid to like pick up the phone and call someone or Slack someone or team someone. And yeah, they might not get back to you like right away. Right. But it's like, I don't know why people are so afraid. It's crazy. Yeah. It's all, it, especially in the SDR role. I've always yeah. thought this was interesting that like yeah. our, our job, the SDR job is to call and email people you don't know to have a conversation <laughs> with them. So it's really yeah. funny because it pl plays out just like we're talking about here. You have an SDR who's like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to, I'm nervous to reach out to this internal person to pick up the phone or Slack them. It's like, well, yeah, the same, they'll, do it. they'll yeah. either respond positively or negatively, or they just won't respond. Those are the same results as the SDR role you do. It's just the positives are way better because it's for your own career and your own future. It's not just like some lead you're going to pass. Yeah. I remember I, I had that moment of realization probably three or four months into being an SDR where I was looking for help. And I was like, oh, do I talk to, like I was talking to peers, like other SDRs, no problem. But when it came to reaching out to somebody at a different company that had a higher level title for any kind of help, I was like, ooh, they're a director. Like, I don't want to do that. And then I would like pick up the phone and call like the VP of marketing at Dick's Sporting Goods. And I'm like, wait a second. Like <laughs> I'm literally cold calling someone who is in my mind, significantly more important than me but yeah. I won't do that for my own self-development. Like there's a dichotomy yeah. here that you have to realize. It's, I love I love that example. And yeah, it, it is funny, right? Cause I actually, I find that the higher up they are, like the nicer they are, right? Cause I mean, I've, I've noticed that too. Like a lot of the top folks at LinkedIn or at Trinet or whatever that were W, AEs that were W2 in 800 to 900K, they were some of the nicest people where they'd be like, they would go, above and beyond to help me. And I'm like, oh my mm. God, like, why was I even afraid? Cause they're like, you know, what's funny, Davidson, like no one reaches out to me. And I'm like, huh, I'm like, I would think the whole company reached out. They're like, no, like this person was like a little bit more, I would say she's more direct. Like she's definitely very confident, right? But still like, she's like, yeah, you'd be surprised. She's like, you're actually one of like the five people that reached out to me like in like the last six months. And I'm like, that blows, that blows my mind. That's wild. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice for anyone listening to this who is looking for some type of coaching outside. Like, like you said, you can get it from your manager. You can get it from someone you've connected with on LinkedIn. You can get it from someone internally. Tons of resources available to you to get a different perspective on what you're doing and help you build some of those key foundational skills. Just, you got it. I think you just got to do it, right? You just have to take the plunge and ask someone and be vulnerable yeah. and know that like, hey, like I'm doing this for me. And if you want to help me, that's awesome. If you don't, honestly, there's there's other people out there that you can reach out to who will. Um, but hopefully they're nice and not jerks. Yeah, and, and the one or a couple people that like don't get back to you, right? Like, 
it is what it is like you don't know like they could be going through like a divorce on the other end they get their know. parents could have like passed away like you don't know right like i think we assume like oh they didn't get back to me that means like they don't like me or yeah but it's like I'm sometimes like enough. yeah and then sometimes i reach back out and i'm like hey like you know like sorry for being persistent like i really want to get like i like i really want to get time on your calendar because i i'm really curious about what you're, you're up to and they're like oh sorry like you know we just went on like a three like month sabbatical and like i was like you know building like wells in like tanzania right and it's like <laughs> oh okay and it's like no this person actually doesn't hate me you know but yeah, just, you just a never really know. good person yeah <laughs> well um well davidson thanks so much for for hopping on the show uh tons of good resources in here for anyone listening who's looking for coaching who's looking to better understand how to coach reps um any last words that you would want to leave the audience with as sort of like a big wrap up to this whole thing uh yeah I, I would say like you know the journey never ends right like the more programs i dive into you know in july i'm doing tony robbins in fiji for wealth and life mastery Ooh. and you know I, I keep thinking like oh am i ever going to get to a point where like i can i can kind of slow it down i don't necessarily quote need to learn as much um but i feel like it just never ends right i feel like there's just always more layers and layers that we could peel off so yeah i would say for anyone who's interested uh, the resources I would recommend are uh, Landmark Worldwide is a good one, uh, nextleveltrainings.com, Accomplishment Coaching, and um, yeah, and then everyone knows Tony Robbins, but I think he's pretty solid as well. I'll make sure to include those in the show notes as well so you guys can find them without having to look them up yourselves. Um, but Davidson, thanks so much for being here. If people want to learn more about you and, and get connected with you or learn more about Coach Hub, how can they do that? Yeah, you can Google Coach Hub or my name, Davidson Hang. I'm on all the socials. And uh, yeah, I'll also send you over my my link tree that will link to my book, my podcast, and all that good stuff. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again for being on the show. Remember to subscribe, to unsubscribe, to get more content like this in your inbox. And until next time. Thanks for watching this episode of Unsubscribe, the Demand Drive podcast. If you want less of those nasty unsubscribe emails in your inbox, go ahead and check out some of the content we have to the left and make sure that you subscribe to unsubscribe to keep your SDR team in tip top shape.